Why is the floor all wet, Tommy? I don't know, Mario. <laughs> I mean, is there a better one for no. go-to? Yeah. It's incredible. Only you can prevent dumpster fires. <laughs> and half of this movie is just that. A dumpster fire that needs to go away. Stand by. Going to air. Stand by, Five, Stand by music. Four, Stand by now. Three, two, one. And stay up. Fish are friends, not food. Make it Centauri time. Too much iron on your blood. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Hey, what happened? Let's fly! Let's get pissed and watch porn. Hello, you've got a face. Are you saying there's something wrong with my gear? We're going streaky! He found me! He's doing his Superman thing. Only one. Why is the rum always gone? All right, well, welcome, 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 everyone, to a brand new episode of Twenty Years Four Beers. We are a podcast dedicated to rewatching movies from at least two decades ago, while simultaneously enjoying a minimum of four modern beers. My name is Steve, and this is my big brother, Tim. And we are coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have just watched and recorded our episode on Elf. And as usual, we sit together afterwards to discuss another film over another beer or two. So we refer to these episodes as our happy hour episodes. Hey, you guys. Happy hour is from four to six. (laughs) On this, our Christmas happy hour, we will be discussing another holiday (sighs) classic in... 2003's Love Actual. Before we begin, though, as we did in our last episode, we have brought back an old segment. Now in its third iteration, because we just can't quit you. (laughs) And are going to jump right in to high fidelity. Top five side ones. Track one. This is where we offer up our top five movies, actors, or other in a category tied in with our subject film. Since this is a Christmas theme, we have a Christmas theme here is as we each list off our top five Christmas, quote, go-to movies. A go-to is not necessarily the best or even greatest, but one that is rewatched on a regular basis, if not every year. It's a go-to Christmas movie. We will go every other. Do you want to start? Absolutely. Five to one, Tim. What do you got? Die Hard. What I think it go to. I knew it was on your list. It, damn do right. Do you actually watch it every year, though? Or are you just being like no. a flipping bitch? No. All right. I watch it. So when we wrap the kids' presents, I think of what movies will we watch as we maybe do different nights or whatever it is, and we enjoy them. Literally in this room last year, wrapping presents, watch, nice. die, watch die Hard. To go to for me, yeah. What's number five for I you? I haven't watched it in quite a long time, actually. Dude. I, I admit and I acknowledge it's a Christmas movie. I just don't like watch it's it. So good, so good. So I went similar to Santa Claus's. I went with a recent one as my five. Um, in Claus or Klaus? Oh, the Netflix. from Netflix. Yes, I've watched it every year it existed, so I can't deny 
It's it's go to. It's a go to. It is every year. It's there, and I think I think it's a I think it's a modern classic. It's so good. Christmas film. It's so good. So yep, I have that as five. I kind of threw it in there as like a. I don't know, but I know going forward, it's going to keep getting, like, there's nothing about it would suggest that I'm not going to keep watching it every year. Like, it's so good. good. Love it. Nice. Uh, I watch it because I don't know that I've ever heard my son laugh (laughs) as hard as he does with Home Alone. There it is. It's a go-to. I was recording on my Home Alone rant earlier, so. (laughs) Let's go. Exactly. No, it's such a wonderful film. Um, mm-hmm. It's very touching. For kids especially. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's absurd and ridiculous, but still, I don't care. It is watching the two and my daughter too just lose their shit, laughing when the uh, shenanigans begins. Yeah. Number yep. four for me is Home Alone. Uh, number four for me is one you hate, and it's one I watch every year, and it's it's one for life. Oh god. I know. I watch it every year. Speaking of uh, movies that I watch, I watch that every year when I wrap presents. That and another movie coming up down actually next. Yeah, I watch it every year. Love it. Cry at the end. It's amazing. Love it. Go ahead. Good. Um, Number three, Why Him? Yeah, you love that movie. Oh. I know it's her movie. I I got to rewatch it. Yeah, you do. With James Franco and Brian Cranston. It is no business being as good as it as it is. And it's hilarious and wonderful, stupid, so so stupid, yep. but it is so freaking enjoyable. <laughs> and I love that it's just um, dark and dumb and crass and wonderful. Love it. I was gonna put it on mine, but I haven't quite been every year. But it's like um, the night before, like such a great yeah, just newer comedy movie like yes. it's great yes um but anyway um similar to it's Wonderful for life i watch white christmas every year every mm. year and i do it while watching presents or by wrapping presents yeah not watching them like <laughs> stoically looking at like what you're impact good, this you're is gonna... a good present good for you i'm not watching them I wrapping presents i will do that nice. i I don't know. It, that's an old, just, just an, both of those are just old movies that have been around for 60, 70 years. Yeah. Love them. It's so good. I, I love White Christmas. And I, it has, there are times I probably fast forward through some of it, you know, and it's like, okay, but I just, I watch it every year. It's a go to movie. I watch it every year. I think I've seen it once. There you go. Okay. Speaking of the night before. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was just. White Number. Christmas also is like where I think the uh, American Family Insurance theme came from, but we'll have a conversation, conversation about that later. Yeah. The oh. night, the night before, yeah, that has become a staple for. Yeah, I gotta rewatch it again. It's Both those so I gotta rewatch. Good. Yep. Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie, the three of them just lean into the tropes of holiday movies, but yet, like most things with Seth Rogen, produced, written films are so. Delightful, <laughs> but like have some heart to it. Yeah, it's oh, I love it. It's like yeah, a one that's for a staple for us every year. <clears throat> yeah, I gotta rewatch it again. Also, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just effortlessly—he's so good. He's so good in everything. Fifty-fifty, 
Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to cry. Oh, so good. It took me forever to actually finish that movie. Oh, my I God. Was like, I know incredible. where this is going. It's so incredible. Sorry. Uh, number set. two yep. for me. We're on two, right? Yep. Uh, Polar Express. Watch it every year. Okay. I saw it in theater a couple times. I absolutely ball every time I admit mm. it. I saw I cried in the theater. I love that story. I remember I love that book. Like, there's something about the innocence of Polar Express. Yeah. And just the pure, like, belief in that Santa, that Santa Claus and the North Pole. It's just, yeah. it's just lovely. And you just watch it and you're just like, does the animation hold up? No, it wasn't even great at the time. No. But that story is so perfect. So I have, uh, number two is Polar Express. I'm going to assume nice. one is the same for both of us. Why is the floor all wet? I don't know, Mario. I mean, is there a better one for no. go to? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's kind of why I brought this up in terms I of what it. we were talking about. Yeah. Number one is obviously National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. The most quotable Christmas movie. Absolutely. And top five, probably, movie of all time. And the funniest part for me is that after we had my daughter, or my wife did. Yeah, yeah um, you were there. Sorry, we, I was there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we watched Chris and Vacation that first year. Didn't quite put together that the mom's name is Ellen, Ellen, my wife, and our daughter's name is Audrey. And we joked, we're like, oh my God, we have the freaking Griswold names. Mm -hmm. And when we found out we were having a boy for the second, <laughs> we're like, I feel like we kind of have to call him Rusty. <laughs> we didn't, thankfully. Yeah. But, uh, yes, that movie always has a special place in my heart for that. Although, her name is Ellen. I get it. Yeah. But half the movie, I assume it's Helen. Yeah. Because the way ah! he ah! says it is so bad. <laughs> yes. But that movie is so perfect. Oh, it, it's... It, well, hold on. From a pure enjoyment standpoint, it yes. is perfect. Yes. From a filmmaking standpoint, no, no not at all. It didn't do well when it first opened. No, uh-uh. But it's a classic. Yeah. And Cousin Eddie. Yeah. In that movie, all-time great character. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> nice. A possible future option for me will be The Holdovers. I mentioned it in the last episode. Ooh. It is a possible future, like, every year kind of rewatch. But it's not quite a Christmas movie. Hmm. It's a holiday movie. It's a sure. you know you know it goes because it goes through right, but yeah, again, gotta watch it. All right, as mentioned, we are going to be discussing our recent rewatch of Love Actually. The movie takes place in London. You sound like you're from London. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good callback. Just five weeks away from Christmas, and follows nine intertwined storylines, some direct and some very indirect intertwined, all of which have a twist on one central theme, love. All of these stories lead up to a very eventful Christmas Eve where all of all of the stories come to their, their climaxes, regardless of reality or timelines. Mm -hmm. The film is written and directed by Richard Curtis, and stars Hugh everyone, Grant, everyone. Emma Thompson, <laughs> Colin Firth, Alan Rickman, Laura Linney, Bill Nighy, Liam Neeson, Kira Knightley, Martine McCutcheon, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Martin Freeman, Thomas Brody Sangster, Andrew Lincoln, and Rowan Atkinson, to name somehow, yeah. not everybody. Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like, I feel like Will Ferrell in, <laughs> old, in school. old school. He was like, I blacked out. I blacked out. I blacked out. What was this epiphany? Um, it, it was about Christmas. You realized it was all around? No, I, I realized that Christmas is, is the time to be with the people you love. Right. And I realized that as dire chance and, and, and fateful cock-up would have it, here I am, mid-fifties, and without knowing it, I've gone and spent most of my adult life with a, with a chubby employee. <laughs> and, and much as it grieves me to say it, it, it might be that the people I love is, in fact, you. Well, this is a surprise. Yeah. Ten minutes at Elton John's, you're as gay as a maple. No, look, I'm, I'm serious here. I left Elton's where there were a hefty number of half-naked chicks with their mouths open in order to hang out with you at Christmas. Well, Bill... It's a terrible, terrible mistake, Chubbs. But you turn out to be the fucking love of my life. <laughs> and to be honest, despite all my complaining, we have had a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Come here, come on. It's been an honor. I feel very proud. No, don't, don't be a moron. <clears throat> Come on, let's get pissed and watch porn. <laughs> Our first segment, as usual, is Drinking Buddies. Come on, not my beer where we present the four beers that we had two for each of us since we watch these separately and give our expert drinking ratings as well as we will actually have two, two. ratings for what we're having right now so tim what were your buddies i had celebration ale yeah from the fresh you hop every year don't you oh every year yeah. this time of year and sierra nevada i can't wait for it and fresh hop is a generous term. Yeah. That's very clear. I agree. Like, yeah. I don't know why. It, it's not like it's wet hops or whatever. Like, it's fine. But it has a super nice bite, a great kind of golden Boy. color. Love it this time of year. Mass produced a rare, like, incredible option for that. I, yeah. for, for me. I love it this hmm. time of year. So, celebration, yeah, time of year. Yeah, great. Serendipitous. Yeah. And then I had, um, again, speaking through the, or thinking through the end lens of like, this time of year, and what I want for Jubal Ale, Winter Ale from Deschutes. Yep. It's hard to describe, and it reminds me, it's the closest I can get, <sighs> spare a thought, for the Libertine Imperial Red mm -hmm. Ale from Fulton, which they uh, unfortunately stopped making. Abandoned. So incredible. I know. It's like the closest I can find anywhere. Of that, mm -hmm. it's a four point two five for me. I love Jubilee Ale. Really? It's, oh, it's so good. I'll give you one. Leave. Yeah. I in terms of, it, think the, it's like 
I always feel like it's spiced, but it's just no, a red ale. No, yeah. it, it, it's, it seems like it's spiced. No, it's yeah. not at all. Like, huh. it's very, very subtle. Love it. What'd <laughs> you have? All right. Well, I had Destil Brewery. Yep. Right? Yep. From Normal, Illinois, which I got to tell you, man, it's just the most mob bossy name of a town <laughs> In Illinois, <laughs> circa, yeah. Hey, hey, what are you talking about? It's normal. It's normal out here. What are you talking about? Uh, Desto Brewing Company, um, their tour bus, DDH, double dry hop, for those not in the know, hazy IPA with citra and mosaic hops, uh, 7.4% alcohol by volume, and it was outstanding. Really? I know. I only had one because my neighbor, actually, he and I swap beer sometimes. He sure. gave me one. Hmm. And yesterday when I was at the liquor store, and I hadn't had yet because I was watching Love Action last night. Yep. I now wish I would have bought a four-pack because <sighs> it's no longer at the liquor store he said it was at around here. And uh, I was, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, four and a half out of five. This was wonderful. It was, and again, it's citra and mosaic hops. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if you F that up, that's on you. But great balance. The flavor is haze without being like a bite. Like they absolutely crushed it. I guess on on the label, it said like um, they won the gold medal at the GABF. Sure. uh, In 2021. And so you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. And when you see the label, it's like it's it's this busy ass belching beaver style label where you're like you don't wouldn't think really. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was outstanding. Hmm. I, I if I find it, I'll buy a four pack. It might be a France, but yeah, it's it was great. So cool. uh and then I went with the hazy again. So I had out of half acre brewing company, their deep moat hazy IPA <laughs> with what was the hop in the last one you were talking about? Like, like HBC five eight six. Perfect. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> the Deep Moat IPA has HBC one thousand and nineteen, HBC five eight six, our personal favorite in parentheses <laughs> right here, and then Rowaka and Strata hops. Because I was like, what? What are we doing here? Yes, you can't come up with any name. Yeah. You can't just come up with like Buzz Lightyear hops. Yeah. Like nothing. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Exactly, Jenny. Um, seven point eight percent ABV. A very solid hazy. I will admit it probably was hurt by like, you know, you go from like a great oh, yeah, beer like, to like yeah. a a good beer, but it's yeah. probably hurt. But I had a four and a five. I had a four and a five. It was really good. Hmm. Um, I I brought one over for you. I hope you like it. Ooh, I can't wait. Ooh. Uh, and now we have two others. What do you got, Tim? Because we've figured, you know what? That's Really up well, the ante. You brought a theme beer, and then yes. I just brought one over because why not? Why not? So for you know, or in honor of the holiday spirit, Christmas. I've never actually had this, but I wanted to try it. This They're is yeah, Prairie Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma. Their Christmas Bomb Imperial Stout brewed with spices, and the spices definitely got to be like nutmeg and cinnamon. oh, the standard like, Christmas, like Christmas whatever. Ones. Um. It's 13%. Hence why I split it. It's like a four and a half. This is great. It's unreal. I I hate. (laughs) Right? I really hate Christmas spices in almost any beer. It's. This is outstanding. Unreal how good this is. I would have this like 
you can buy a single bottle. Thank yeah, you. It's got to be. But like share it throughout the holidays. But holy yeah. cow. It's got to be cinnamon. There's definitely cinnamon, vanilla, nutmeg. Like yeah. that's sort of standard. But there's definitely cinnamon in there. But um, this is outstanding. Typically, if I see somebody say like Christmas ale yeah. or holiday spices, I'm like, peace out. I'm done. Yeah, it's too much. But this, this is great. is ridiculously good. And then you brought, thankfully, uh, from Nuglaris out of Wisconsin, their Enigma 2023. And Enigma, for those unaware, they are, you know, kind of like a random strain. And by the nature of the name, it'd be somewhat difficult to define. Hmm. But um, I don't know how to describe this beer. I haven't had it yet because I just, I got to. You haven't had a sip of it? Well, I haven't yet because I was finishing the Christmas one. Oh. But I'm also out of water, so I can, like, let the palate You can have some of mine. I don't mind. Here, there you go. So, as he's cleansing said palate, um, the Christmas bomb is very tasty, very Christmassy. Enigma are, like, a sour. Tends to be, like, a brown sour. I think we've had, like, some of the ones in the past. But, yes, what what say you? So, this says the sour Flanders. Shut up, Flanders. Yeah, shut up, Flanders. Ode, O-U-D, Bruin, because nobody is pompous like fucking brewers. Based on a traditional Belgian-style Flanders red ale that we're all familiar with, Mm -hmm. Enigma is created by blending complimentary sour brown ales. The beer is then allowed to age on cherries in unlined oak tanks. This process allows Enigma to pick up notes of cherry and vanilla, giving it its distinct and somehow undefinable character. It smells great. And it indeed tastes great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Come on. I love watching your reaction. Come on. How is this a... This is a global average of 3.91. Because people are idiots. Because people are idiots. Yeah, because so many times people are like, I like Bud. Oh, I'm going to drink this yes. cherry Flanders oak-aged God knows what. Yes. I don't love this. Yeah, I think it's be... Uh, right? It's got like hints of like banana and cherry and sour. I wish I would have bought the other bottle. There were two left. I Now I wish I would have bought the other bottle. Yeah, it's... That's outstanding. I, That's a four and a half at least. It's a four point seven five for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm. I don't know how they do this. And kudos to Nuglaris for they they don't you know lean into like trends or other crap. Wow. I remember one time them calling um, uh, Seltzer's prison hooch. Yeah, so not wrong. I this is incredible. Yeah, holy god. Yeah, yeah I probably and to be, balance I, between the Christmas one. It's like wow. I will say, like again, this this is actually probably the closest we've ever come to the Funky Jubilation. Oh my god! Flavor wise, the white whale. Yeah, it'll that yeah will never time. happen again. I know, oh but my god. it is. Yeah, it was, right. We poured it. It was like a sour, and you pour it, and it was like a dark beer. Like, what are we having How's here? And then it was also a sour because we didn't know at the time that brown sours were a real thing. <laughs> this is unreal. Yeah, it's great. If you're somehow it's, it's great, yeah. Hey, I'm like, I kind of want to drive back and see if they have the other one. Like, <laughs> it's a 32 minutes one last one, yeah. Enigma 23, thank you. If you don't, fi- and it was 350 a bottle, mm. that's reasonable. Well, they I might have to go to other liquor stores for this. That's wow. outstanding. I, I'm gonna sip that for a while, yeah. Holy yeah, you shit, will. yeah, you will. That's good. All right, well, 
Our next segment then is the social network. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Where we take a look back at the critical and fan reception from 20 years ago, which, by the way, we're discussing Love Actually here since it's been up and down. As usual, Tim is nice enough to rewatch the or research these. So please take it away, Tim. The IMDb rating is 7.6 out of 10, which I would say is pretty average, but. Yeah, but 0.5 above Elf. Yep. David Anson of Newsweek Magazine said, Love Actually is alternatively, sorry, alternatively <laughs> beguiling and bloated, witty and warmed over, smart and pandering. The majority like is likely to swoon. <laughs> Michael O'Sullivan of Washington Post said, there's enough that's right about Love Actually to compensate for what is wrong with it. And Roger Ebert, care to guess what he gave it? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, I, I and I. Well let's done. Be fair, I don't. Yeah. Look these up ahead of time because that requires research. Yes. But yeah, this seems right up that dipshit alley. The film is bursting with enough material for three romantic comedies, which Richard Curtis had done up to that point, including such inevitable situations as a school holiday concert, an office party, a family dinner, a teenage boy who has a crush on a girl who doesn't know he exists, and all sorts of accidental meetings, Ain't both no fortunate teenage, way, and not. It's jammed with characters, stories, warmth, and laughs until, or at times, writer-director Curtis seems to be working from a checklist of obligatory movie love story situations and doesn't want to leave anything out. The he movie says that in a good way. Yeah, the movie, yeah, obligatory. The movie hops around to keep all these stories alive, and while some have genuine poignancy and richness, others fall flat and could have been left on the cutting room floor. Academy Awards? None. No nominations that year. Thank Christ. And before we get to the next segment, this time last year, I think we talked about, but I remember seeing something on like ABC News ABC. or whatever. It was like it was 20th, 20th and we're like, They're wrong. no, that's not, wrong. no. Yep. Uh, maybe in Britain, possibly. No. But even maybe then. we're just getting ahead of it. It's nope. not. It was 19th it was anniversary. 19 years last year. It was like, yeah. And it was hosted by Robin Roberts and she can get too fucked. She can get bent. Right. Suck it, Robin. No, no it's Diane Sawyer. Who gives a shit? Yeah. They can all go fuck themselves. <laughs> Good editing. How do you not like yeah. 2003? Yeah. Well, if you subtract the first year, I mean, no. Carry this the is one. not like the birth of Christ. The first year. This is bullshit. It was 20 years. It was released in 2003. Not okay. Exactly. I ain't ready to you. Yeah. So shut up, Diane. Stupid. So, Ugh. all right. Sorry. Oh, I can move on. Yes. All right. All right well, with the beers and reviews out of the way, that brings us to Spotlight. They knew, and they let it happen. Our reaction segment, where we highlight and discuss our top takeaways of any kind from rewatching the film. Why don't you go ahead, Tim? So I have some, some strong thoughts. I have strong thoughts on this movie. I have for a while, so I admit my bias ahead of time. But and I have Tim. an equal bias, probably, probably oppositional. To I bet to the pro. Let's freak you This is, I know, we've got some booze yes. in our system. So I can appreciate. I can too. If there are people out there in this <laughs> general vicinity who do not enjoy the movie because yeah, it's. Heartless bastards. It's, no, it's trying so hard to be likable and lovey dovey. But I must admit, mm -hmm. I just find it flat out enjoyable because it tries to tell a story beyond just romance and focus on the variations of love. Totally. I am a sucker for this movie. Mm -hmm. I am. I don't mind the mute cutes over and over again. 
the highs and lows. Are there significant problems with it? Absolutely. Yep. But when it gets done, I just love this movie. So that's your I first am, takeaway. Yeah. You're gonna you're I'm gonna prime you're the pump. Like, you're just gonna for, like throw hey. the knee pads on and yep. just hop on down. Sure. All right. So what oh. say you? No, I will as I have a lot of notes on this movie, actually. Um I I view this movie and I have for quite some time in a a good not a good, the bad, and the ugly, but a good, the mid and the bad sure. segments, right? And I will say the good of this movie is legit really sweet and is great. Yep. Unarguable. And if you can't even get to that point, then it's just the you're, you're just a heartless bitch. I get that. Yep. What I consider to be good are the Liam Neeson, Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, and Bill Nighy storylines. Yep. Emma Thompson's specific part of her storyline with Alan Rickman. Yep. Um, specifically, because she is also outstanding. Oh, she's so good. She's outstanding this movie in everything, but she's great. Um, and then, let's see if I can read my notes here. And some of, and I will admit, some there are specific scenes that have gained some legendary status over the last 20 years, like Hugh dancing, which is actually too short. It's totally short. It's way too short. Yes. Although I do think Natalie would have been great to discover him in that moment, but okay, that's fine. Absolutely. Um, so Hugh dancing, um, obviously the finale um, in, or the relative finale in the uh, Christmas concert. Yep. Um, the troublesome, but sweet cue card scene. Uh, and the proposal scene in, in France, to name yeah. a few. There were some great scenes. The actors all do a great job of maximizing what little screen, screen time they have. Uh, but in particular, Thompson, in that sense. So that's the good. Yep. So I'm just going to go right into the mid. The mid of this film has just not held up over 20 years. This being the Kira Knightley and Laura Linney storyline specifically. Neither of them are enjoyable at all. In fact, they're getting worse over time. Uh, and Alan Rickman's portion of his story is just mid. It's just, it's not Alan Rickman's fault. No. It's very poorly written, uh, but it's just not good. Like it, It's just not good. Uh, it's rare to say that Rickman is mid, but in this case, that's just a mid thing right there. And then the bad. Um, the bad in this film is just flat out not good. And it's like almost unwatchable to me now. Mm -hmm. And again, specifically, that would be the nude stand-ins. That entire storyline is like, what are we doing here? Colin going to Wisconsin is almost <laughs> offensive. It's almost <laughs> offensive. If nothing else... If you've ever been to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was living there at that's the, time the airport you have like, on nope. this like, hey, let's go to a hotel, <laughs> take out the sign out front, and then let's just put a new <laughs> sign in, right? So they're outside the Marriott in God knows where. Um, and then obviously the Billy Bob Thornton portion of yeah. of that storyline with, with Hugh Grant and that. Um Hang on one second. Let me get back to my notes. Just going through all the uh, ones. Well, I'm just saying. I just want to like just get these out of the way. 
And then specifically the cheating sort of part of the Rickman Thompson story. Like, so that's that storyline. Thompson's great. Rickman's mid. And then the cheating part with the secretary is just gross. Like it doesn't, doesn't fit with the the goal of what they're trying to do in this movie in the first place. (laughs) So those things, like, I just think that I, I, so I admit there are things in this movie that are great. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. And and why I'm so mad about this movie? Yeah, because the good slash great are legitimately great. Yeah, and that anytime I have this conversation with people, those are the things they talk about, and that's my problem. Is yeah. you're forgiving the rest of the dog shit that came along with this movie, <laughs> just to be like, oh, I love this, I love this. Yeah, I do too. Yep. But mind you, it's a two hour and twenty or two hour and ten yeah. minute film. There's a lot of other shit in here yeah. that I gotta wade through. So that's where I'm at, right? To start. Continue. So <coughs> that's just blow it up, Tim. No, I agree. And there's... No, you don't have to agree with me. Don't no. agree with me. Let's go viral. Let's just disagree the whole time. So you can suck a You're big old bag of D. Um So let's talk through the things I love. Let's about do this. It. And I think specifically two actors in this. Mm-hmm. Bill Nighy yep. and Emma Thompson. And Bill Nighy, who won a uh, BAFTA for this role, actually. And yeah. I agree. Emma Thompson is so much better than the material that she's given. Yep. She is unreal yeah. in what she – when she finds out oh, right. what has happened, Yep, she's – and also so, simultaneously, on she's supporting a friend of hers who lost, yes, his wife yes. and her brother who's the prime, prime minister. minister. Yes, all the things she's balancing. But we don't know that because we have to deal with this other shit out there yes. that we just gets in the way. Like so, her she, character is she's so, good. so much better than the material given yep. to her, and that's I think incredible like recognition for her. Yep. And, but she's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, to the point where even you talk about like, and I agree, Rickman's character is so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. Like she warns him. Yep. There's a scene where she's like, oh, she's pretty. Like, be careful for that. Be one. careful. Like, exactly. Yep. Like, she is so, it's not just like, oh, she found out, like, because it's like, oh, betrayal. Like, she knew something was up. Yep. And she even gave him an ultimate, like, don't be stupid about this because what, what, so I think that she's unreal. Like, she's incredible. But Bill Nye, yep, is, like understood totally. the assignment and yep. then just knocks out of the park as the aging rocker. Yep. yep, trying to find relevance again, and he is, in my humble opinion, the best part of this movie. Oh. And I and I love me some romantic. Me, we talk about like I'm a sucker for romantic comedies. Yep. Um, he's the best part because he just yeah. doesn't give a, a fuck. Like, he just doesn't the, care. Yeah, the character doesn't, and neither yes. does Bill Nighy. Like, because at the time, he's probably thinking, this is my big break. Yes. Like, no one yep. knows who I am. Yep. Outside of, like, maybe a small circle in England. And he just kills it. Mm-hmm. And to the point where then, at the end, when he's like, oh, I realized the love of my life has been my manager because we've been through all this together. Right. It doesn't feel forced. No. Nope. Like, it totally is earned. Yep. With what he's talking about, but man, it's the every only storyline in this movie that is actually earned. I'll give you that. There is no payoff in this entire movie 
aside from his, that is earned in terms of the actual story that is told in the movie, not what we fill in the blanks on, what's on screen. Yeah. It is the only storyline that is earned. And I think why I agree with that is, and we'll talk about maybe the biggest issue I have with this is five weeks. Five oh, weeks. Oh man, Bill and his I manager. I think I have a full page for decades. Of shitting on have been the timeline of this movie. Everything else is just like meet cute and then timeline condensed to four to five weeks. That's stupid. So stupid. Yep. And that I agree. It's the only one that's earned because it's been a lifetime together. So anyway, yep. The two of those. Yeah. No, are the two them, but 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 Bill Nye is. And I I, yeah. I I love the good, the mid, and the bad. Like the good, I agree. In my I can put up with a lot of the other shit because the good is that good. Because Emma and Bill are yep. just the best. I would love to play off that, but I want to at least give yeah. one other I'm gonna I'm gonna steal two topics. Let's here. Do it. Because I will say one thing I absolutely love about this movie is that it's a legit R-rated movie. Yeah. They just three minutes in, they start swearing the yes, yes. They just swear, there's nudity, this is this is adult. This is an adult holiday movie. Yep. This is not for everybody. I appreciate the hell out of that. I respect the audience that you're going for. Yep. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't be a Hallmark Christmas movie or whatever. Yep. Like, so I do, I, I legit love that because you just start in and you're like, oh, my audience is an adult. Yep. I, I really do yep. appreciate that. I, I, I absolutely love that. Um, but, what you just talked about, I have major, from a filmmaking standpoint, problems with this movie. Mainly the timeline and its complete lack of understanding for how the basis of time <laughs> and space yep. work. Yeah. that It's like, it's offensively bad. Yes. Like... You've got somehow Samuel. <laughs> Sam picks up who, drums. By the way, I love that storyline. So I love that storyline. Yes. The father-son storyline or even like the adopted son. Yes. But like somehow Samuel learns to drum in less than two weeks. Yep. You couldn't clip me in this mother effer yes. at the beginning of this. Yes. They wait till the back half of the movie here. So I guess it's probably more editing than anything else. I, I will admit. Sure. But yeah, it's like Samuel learns the drums. In like a week and a yep. half. Yep. What? Yeah. Like, so somehow that happens. Colin Firth somehow travels on Christmas Eve at night in <laughs> London, from London to France <laughs> on Christmas Eve. They're the same fucking time zone. There is no way. Maybe ah! they're an hour apart, but he is, he it's drops off and these kids are like, I hate yeah. Uncle, Uncle Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes from there yeah. to, to the airport yep. to France and still makes it there in time for the restaurants to somehow be open in France to propose. The timeline is absurd. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Anyone who lives in the real fucking world. Yeah. Like the assistant, the cheater girl who's yeah. blatantly throwing her vag yeah. up there all the time. It's yeah. it's absurd. Yeah. 
she has, I know she's new, quote unquote, but she's got, they're planning the Christmas party four weeks out from Christmas? Yeah. That's when they start? Yeah. And she magically comes up with this, like, art studio thing. Like, there's no understanding. (laughs) And then a school Christmas concert on Christmas Eve. Exactly. Right? I know. 80% of this world shuts the F down. Yes. At 5 o'clock. Yep. On Christmas Eve. Yep. But apparently London, <laughs> in that school district, when they combine, they're yep. like, you know what? F it. Let's all just do this Christmas. There is no uh, respect this. to the timeline. And not to like be like, oh, the sacred timeline, like Loki. But <laughs> it is seriously, and I and we've had we've talked about this with many other things along the way. The timeline does not have to be this condensed. No. Like, no time bomb thing coming. It doesn't have to be that way. It's forced. It's the, it is one of the worst movie tropes that this, like everything comes together on Christmas Eve. What? Mm -hmm. It's absurd. The timeline in this is awful. It is offensive on every, even though I love some of the storylines and their potential. Yes. The timeline on all of them. Is offensive. It is it is terrible. <laughs> I agree. That's why we said video. I think of if I found out that my kids' school was having a major concert, what I had to design like some like a lobster paper machine. Yes, pe- it, on Christmas Eve, I'd be like, "You're wait, you're doing a what?" I'm out. I agree. I'm like, out unless their grade is reliant upon this. I <laughs> am out. <laughs> And I, so I don't know where to go. Oh, yet. buckle in, baby. Oh, God. More so, um, <laughs> to unpack some of the things I like, mm-hmm. we'll, totally. keep, we'll keep to that kind of oh, narrative. I have things I like about um, it. I mentioned them already. So, it's like a good and bad. The Hugh Grant and Natalie story. Yep. Even though I mentioned the actor and the character, whatever. The Prime Minister. Yeah. And him, like, great story and great meet, meet cute and fun. I, I like that. I agree. I actually really like the idea that his dance sequence, far too short, really yeah. cut short, would be so much better if she was there. Yeah. It would have been cute and quirky and fun. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. that connective element. Um, I don't ever like that there's no recognition of, like, Hey, I reassigned you no. because I had this attraction to you and I couldn't handle it. And her like, oh, I'm so sorry about the president, like coming on to me. Like, it's just like so I agree. Like, blah, let's get through it. And then like they're kissing and the like it's just like, okay, you're the prime minister. Yep. I get it. Ha ha ha. I agree. There's some stretches of uh, a fancy that I'm okay with. That to me. Goes off the effing rails. Yep. At the end. There's plenty of them. It's really cute and like the connections and these kind of things. But I could have done completely without the U.S. president storyline. There was nothing. There's no add to it. Nothing. It's definitely like topical. Like at mm. least 40 minutes you could change and make and give me more information about things I care about. Yes. At least. And one of them is that 
Yes. President. Like, cut out about. the whole U.S. president thing. Right. It it's felt dumb. like a bleaker street, like, F you to America. It definitely did. Right. Like, what? What are like, we doing? Post 9 11, like, oh, we're like, you know, war on terror. Like, we're yeah. going to figure this out. And it definitely was like a, uh, it doesn't add anything to it. And it takes away from the time. And I think a great co- criticism, despite, I'm okay with it. Um, totally be okay with it. Is. My you, my views are not going to change, but no, but I, like you this. cut out twenty minutes of the fluff, yeah, and you can then take that time mm, an hour, but yeah, mm, that's fine. Continue. I interrupt enough I where apologize. you could bolster some of the great elements that do work. Yep, and you can then have these stories really resonate, where it does spread things too thin. I agree. Cut out the uh, stand-ins, the nudity, folks. Like, there's no benefit to it. I think it's cute. Right. It's and beguiling. I think that's what it is. It's like, um, it has nothing to do with my, I, I think Colin going to Wisconsin is a fun little stupid yes. thing. And he yes. gets to say, you know, I, my name is Colin and he's called a big dog. It's funny. No, that's right. Yes. Like, it is funny. I Like, I get it. But from a movie-making standpoint, yeah. those stories add nothing short of Richard Curtis wanting to find a way to intertwine them in some way. Yeah. Are you done with your point? Yeah, Where, I think that like yeah. I love the dance sequence. Oh, of to what it could yeah. come to, but I agree it, it it just it ends too soon. And although here's a tiny de- detail I like, yeah. when he is going about. This like home by home. Mm-hmm. Hi, just net like it's a cute sequence, and they use it in Ted Lasso later. Like cool, but it shows I think some of the authenticity of that prime minister when he knows that the next door yeah is Natalie's, and he takes a brief moment, deep breath, like yeah. goes his hand through his hair, of course, and like yeah. it's Hugh Grant. Yeah. But I agree, like there's an element where it doesn't feel that disingenuous, where he's I, like, oh yeah. God. I'm about to go to find the woman that I'm interested in. Yep. That I think is like, okay, good. It does. It, it adds a little detail that I like. So a hundred percent. I agree. Yep. My biggest, probably my biggest concern is, or my biggest frustration is because of the useless storylines, we do not get payoffs that work yeah. anywhere else. Like, yeah. So, I said, aside from the timelines, I have a major problem with forcing in too many stories into a two-hour film. It isn't necessary, and in my opinion, it leads to confusing time jumps that we are just supposed to assume things have happened off-screen. And I'm, from a filmmaking standpoint, that offends me. Like, sure. I have to fill in the blanks? Like, yeah. what? Like, what are you doing here? I paid money to see this. You you tell me your story. <laughs> This is particularly evident in the Colin Firth storyline where they have a wonderful connection and a, a really legit cute connection when the book gets into the yeah. water and she jumps in and, yeah. <laughs> and he jumps in and then they're in the and then their house and they have this like great connection. Yep. But what happens after that in their yep. storyline? That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. He drops her off, takes his shit home. Which, by the way, again, from a timeline standpoint, is terrible because apparently he goes home a week and a half before Christmas when the woman specifically asks him if he's there till Christmas and he says yes. 
Like, it's just, again, <laughs> but that is, and now I, and then all of a sudden, the next time they're together, he's proposing to her. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to fill in the blanks because they have filled in the rest of that with not great stories. Yeah. And that, to me, is what bothers me the most is because they have come up with really legitimately great storylines with legitimately great stars. Yeah. And then they bastardize the rest of it with people nobody even in England had known of at the yeah. time. And so... Oh, wait, okay. Tim has to pee again. Mid-rant. No, I think what, for me, especially the Jamie Colin Firth thing, what bothers me is like he was cheated on weeks before that. I know. <laughs> and he goes and just finds this with his brother, like, right? Yes. And and then like it, there's there's no real payoff for any of this. Like he needs therapy, not a wedding. Like, so if we eliminate, if we eliminate the awful storylines, it would allow for more story to be told on the characters we actually like, but, and that didn't happen. And we were just left to fill in the blanks. To me, it's bullshit writing. It could have been like the idea. I think the idea is the Nihi storyline is sort of this like umbrella. Yep. Between five weeks before Christmas and Christmas Eve. And along the way, we can check in with Nihi because he's on video, he's on radio, he's on whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, so like, but but then at some point, they're at a wedding that nobody gives a shit about. At the, apparently, at the same time, a funeral's going on. I don't even know. Like, the timeline's terrible. But like, if it were Nihi there, you could then have the Neeson storyline, which in me, in my opinion, because I'm biased, that's my favorite. The Hugh Grant storyline, the Emma Thompson, uh, maybe a fair optional one way or another. Colin Firth and Nihi, obviously, of there. And maybe the Kira Knightley storyline, if you redo it a little bit. They could all just intertwine along the way. You have these moments along the way, and it goes in between, and it it filters, but it's all through the Nihi perspective. right? Or not perspective, but his storyline of of that. Yeah. It would have been great. Five... To six stories would have been enough. Nine is absurdly too long. It's too much. And I... I know you went to the bathroom mid-rant, <laughs> so you don't no, know where I'm at. No, I like That's actually no. my final point, is just to say that. It's the just final? Like, oh, no, wow. I'm done. I, I Because I was so mad. <laughs> Microphone dropped. No, it, it is like... <clears throat> is it a cute movie and there are great things along the way? Absolutely. They're great. But even in rewatching it for this for uh, for this episode, yep. I wanted to fast forward through a good portion of this movie. Yep, because it's useless to the entire story. Yeah, the only thing they try and make it seem is it interconnects because Colin is a server at the wedding and yep. this, and then he's his buddy's also a server who's also apparently a producer on a porno movie who's then at this, and you're just kind of like. None of that resonates with literally anybody. Yeah. So that that I just every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I think I'm more mad about is the what could have been. True. 
right? Yes. And, and so that's where I come from. So I will lean into the cynicism part. Lean in. Um, the boss, Rickman, telling his subordinate. Super creepy. Well, it, it, telling his subordinate, Laura yeah. Linney, to just have sex with Carl. Super weird. Right like, away. In what? the movie, yes. in the first, like, yes. 10 How long minutes. have you worked here? And how long have you been in love with Carl? Cool. Yeah, go, go have sex with him. Yeah. And figure it out. I was like, it's still like, uh, yeah. not okay. Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> so, yeah, bit of a yikes situation. A couple um, of them, yeah. The American women that are portrayed yes. in this in absolutely terrible ways. Like, Stereotypes, I get it. It's like funny from the British perspective of like, ha, yeah. ha, ha. Like, you go to the middle of nowhere, uh, uh, Wisconsin, and you just hook up with these foursome ladies. Like, it's dumb. It's just like. Yeah, because if it were true, my ass would not be in Minnesota right well, now. Well, and I lived in Milwaukee. If were, were at all yes. available yeah. in Wisconsin, my ass would be in Wisconsin. So, yeah, I lived there when it came out. My sister, <laughs> our sister texted us like, is that a thing there? Not that, nope. I'm, not that I'm aware of. No. Nope. Yes. Although I don't have an accent, but yeah. Although I did eventually marry a woman from Milwaukee, but fine. Um, mm, Rickman's character being so stupid. Yep. Like, it's one thing if the world he's living in with his wife and kids is somehow maybe, I don't know, challenging or there's con- like the the problems maybe with his wife or like, it's like she seems great. Like, yeah. there's no reason there's for him. about her that seems like, yep. Like th- that's, that's what I struggle with. Like, there's no reason for him to seek infidelity with this woman who's throwing herself at him. Like, hello, yeah. idiot. Like, and she warned the wife warns him like, dude, but, like, it's I so dumb. Say, I'm sorry to interrupt. I hope you can hop back in. I can't. It, it's more like, and again, I have gone out of my way to crap on a lot of part of this movie. The The assistant is the one who is clearly, like, throwing herself yes. at him. And so, in that sense, I can kind of give, like, a... I don't think he, he wasn't planning on buying her a Christmas present. No. When he went to that absurdly long Rowan Atkinson yes. scene. Like, <clears throat> so... In that sense, I can kind of be like, oh, well, he wasn't even thinking about it until that moment. Sure. What are you going to get me? And yeah. then spread your legs like a fucking comic Yeah, it's core. like, jeez. And like, so I get it, but so continue. So I will say like, for me, it was always like, I don't think Rickman went into hiring her or any of that creepy stuff. Of like oh, that. no. But in that moment, he gets it and he's like, wait, I don't, maybe he's thinking, I don't know, should I do this or not? But it doesn't come across on film. No. Right. It just so. seems like, what is happening? Destroy the obligatory her taking off her clothes later. Yes. On her own in exactly. her apartment. Yeah. It's just like, Ugh. okay. Um, apparently, the facility that the Laura Linney character's brother's in is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And useless. Useless. Because- yep. As, all, as well as it's a freaking vibrate like this is silence mode in your phone but whatever um i agree that's really Even stupid back then there were right yeah. it's so stupid like um the best friend of the wedding couple yeah and andrew Kier- lincoln yeah. yes he's like kind of a stalker 
Not like kind of, hundred percent. Like I'm gonna yep. film just you yep. in my focus and this like so it's not like unrequited, it's like, dude, you're kind of creepy. So I agree. Yeah. You watch and you're like, oh and what's it's all these gross things. What's the connection <laughs> yes. between Colin Firth being at that wedding? Yeah. Emma Thompson was at that yes. wedding. Liam Neeson. Right, and Liam Neeson yes. were all at that wedding. Yeah. What's the like there? We are we are left way too much in this movie to fill in the blanks based on our own romantic comedy past or whatever. Yes, but like they they do a good job of getting people in the same building, but not explaining the connection. No, so like, why do I care about like? Yes, I, I yeah. And so thinking through a Richard Curtis movie that I yeah. Love, love, love Notting Hill. Yep. And there's a sequence. Yeah, unabashedly. It's, it's so stereotypical. It's, it's so whatever. I love that movie. But it's so good. And what I think works for it is there's a sequence at some point in it, middle-ish or so, where Hugh Grant's character is walking through a market. Oh, yeah. And it shows the, season the change. changes of the yep. seasons. Yep. So you can see the timeline involved where it's like at least been months. Yeah. Maybe a year. Yeah. Since what yeah, happened. You suggested it would be on. about a year. Yeah. Yes. And I agree. The biggest problem I have with this is like, I don't mind if it's, <clears throat> there's a, a tiny spark of something that can be pursued yep. in a few weeks time. But I agree. The Colin Firth timeline where he was cheated on, goes there in five weeks, comes back to ask a woman that he barely knows and can barely speak the language to marry him. Yeah. It's like, okay. I think that's a super cute storyline. It is. It's just it is so... If it didn't begin... <clears throat> the beginning yes. with the cheating makes no sense. No. He could have just been a struggling writer. Yep. Like, why did we yes. need the cheating? Yes. Nothing. As There's well as nothing. When he comes and home... his brother. He comes home and to get the presents. And his brother's in the background. He's right there. <laughs> I agree. Lots of stuff. I'm like, uh, like it's well intended. All these things, but you go, oh my god. So I agree. So I'm all done. So continue. The 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 knock I have is somewhat. It's weird watching this. Actually, now having seen Walking Dead for so long, sure. And like Andrew Lincoln is a great actor, but not in this. He no, is he's not great. Yeah, terrible in no. this. Yep. And while I do like the whole like note of like without hope or agenda, um, it is a really weird like item of just hey best friend's wife i think you're amazing and i loved you forever but i'm never gonna have that capitalized so yeah just cool then she comes up and kisses like it's just like uh, the kid yeah it is troublesome yeah it's like hey see you later we'll somehow hang out in circles yeah and never speak of this again like <laughs> it's just weird it's and weird. he shows up at the door assuming the woman's gonna answer right what yes if, what if Chewetel edgy for answers the door, and you're yeah. like, oh, oh, hey, I mate. got a boombox and these hey, cards. <laughs> uh, you want to get a bud? Like, yeah. I, there's nothing about that. You're like, I'll come back later. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, one thing I will say, I really actually thoroughly enjoy. Yeah. Um, Craig Armstrong, the composer. Yeah. Yep. I think his score is really good in this. Totally. We talked about this with Elf too. Like it is the a very distinctive. That so, come in, score. like it yep. come in. But the final thing I'll say is, I totally agree that I think it's sh such like short service given to Sam, the boy, 
and Liam Neeson's character. And if you think about it, the kid's mom just died. And he's now stuck, quote unquote, with a stepfather. All he's doing is thinking about this new romance. I'm like, ah, I get the whole idea of the movie was like, that's talking about love in general and different aspects. It could be like familial and right. betrayal, like all these different tropes around love. Yep. That to me, and why I actually think there's a great element of like connection where Liam Neeson should actually be used in more romantic comedies. He's he was great. totally missed. He's great in this movie. He's so good. But yeah. that weird element of like, it just brushes past the fact of this kid's mom just died. Yeah. And I'm focused on this romance thing. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, just, I, yeah. so yeah, despite I, the fact yeah, I, I love it, I agree. So many But problems. I think, like, let's assume she was sick for a while, and then the kid has a chance sure. to, you know, overcome right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's another testament to give me more time with these characters that you've done a great job of flushing out. Yeah. But they flushed it out on paper and not on film. And yeah. and it's like, oh, man. Yeah, the uh, Liam Neeson's storyline is my favorite personally. Oh, I agree. But but it could have been better. Yes. Oh, and I think what makes it great is like him being that dad. It's so great when he can lean into it. Yeah. He's been a stepdad forever. And now it's like, oh, and to the point where when it happens later and it's Sam, actually Claudia Schiffer. Oh, sorry. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Instead of calling him Daniel. Oh, when Sam he calls, calls him dad, him dad, cry every right? time. It's like, oh, every time. God, it's so good. Yep. Gives so me like, every time. That's from like these, like, so like cut out, the, cut out the crap. Yep. You don't need so much of this crap. And just give me like three or four great stories. Right. That's what I want. Yep, yep. Yep. I will watch this. I will watch this, but I, I will also probably skip it almost half the movie. Yeah. So with our reactions out of the way, that leads us into our next segment that we call The Verdict. I'm going up there. I'm going to try it. I'm going to let the jury decide. This is pretty much exactly how it sounds. Each of us takes a minute to put a cap on our reviews, give a rating on whether or not the film holds up two decades later. Go ahead, Tim. So I commented earlier this year on our Dazed and Confused podcast, where mm. I, I appreciated the vibe aspect totally. of it. And overall, the vibe of this film, Love Actually, is what I really enjoy, where it's leaning hard into the vibe, the feeling of these things. Some stories absolutely work better than others. And I enjoy what writer-director Richard Curtis was ultimately going for, that love comes in many versions and impacts in different ways beyond just, quote-unquote, romance. With standout performances from Nighy and Thompson, to me, it's a holiday, great film, not a classic, but one that is just delightful, and frankly, I'm okay with, honestly, even with all the many shortcomings uh, that come with it. Three and a half out of five for me. There you go. All right, well, my verdict, you don't need me to tell you to watch this movie or not, as virtually anyone listening will have seen Love Actually. But I can somewhat try to do my part and ask you to stop making this into a holiday classic. Only you can prevent dumpster fires. (laughs) And half of this movie is just that. 
a dumpster fire that needs to go away. The good is legit great. In particular, performances across the board, actually, everyone's good. Everyone's good in this movie. Sure. But especially Thompson, Grant, Neeson, and Nighy. But it is simply not enough sunlight to drown out the dark. I am not sure how this movie became a classic, but here we are. And I'm going to have to deal with it, just like Phantom of the Opera on stage. And I know <laughs> that is a me problem for sure. I have two stars out of five. The good is great. The rest is shit. And I will skip this any chance I can get. All right. Well, we come now to our final segment, which is quiz show. The exciting quiz program. 21. Where we search for trivia surrounding our subject film and try to stump the other. I have two with a sub on one, but what do you got? In what 1988 classic Christmas film did Alan Rickman have his Hollywood movie debut? Oh, my God. You're so basic. You uh, totally, totally. Die Hard. Is that your only one? No, of course not. Okay, But just on. think about you that. You want to bring up Die Hard. I like, do, indeed. Absolutely. Ah, for this, but think about I that. I know. We talked about this already. I know we haven't. Yes, Not on podcast. Yes, we have. No. We talked about how amazing Rickman was and that his debut was Die Hard and how amazing Oh, and, ha- and uh, Harry Potter. Yes. Sure. yes. Yeah. But just think about like how incredible. It is incredible. Yes. I agree. His Christmas so film, Bonafides. Mm. What do you got more? What do you have? I have two more. Two uh, more? Yeah. All right. Uh, I got one I really love. I'm going to wait till last. So I'll ask one and we'll see what's up. Okay. It's very basic here. In the film, Emma Thompson and Hugh Grant are siblings, obviously. With Thompson at one point stating her older brother is the prime minister, so Grant is the older sibling. Tim, is Grant actually older than Thompson? <laughs> I should have looked this up. I thought you were doing it. Uh, no. That is correct. How much older is Emma Thompson than Hugh Grant? Eight years. No. You are very, very far off. Oh, They're they closer than I thought, too. Hugh Grant was born September of 1960, and Emma Thompson was April of 1959. They are a year and a half apart. Oh, okay. So close enough where they could swap. And yet again, why didn't you just swap it in the fucking story? Exactly. Just make her the older sibling. A year and a half would have been totally fine. Absolutely. It does feel weird. Like, who cares? Like, yes. Right. Why did that matter? Yes. It was just written into the story. My younger brother. Just change it. Yes. But there you go. Okay. Uh, Side note? Side note. <laughs> that scene That's where he comes to the school. <laughs> Our Christmas episodes are going to no, no, be so I know, hard I know, to I know, edit. But like, 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 here's, what, here's what elevates the material. When no, she, when he, from an editing standpoint. I know. I'm sorry for you. But like, no, it's like, when he comes there and she hugs him. Oh, love it. And he's like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And like, you can see like yeah. all like that family yeah, connection. There was delivery. That, yes. that was some that pay, landed, payoff. There. That yeah. lands. Stick with but that. we didn't know. I agree. They were siblings until yes. that point. Yes. There well, was, no. No, At I no think she point, mentions it. In no point does she actually say that we we do not know. Mm, that's true. And that yeah. that's kind of fun. Yes. But that payoff doesn't quite work the way they wanted. But with it. what she's grappling with, like totally. I think that scene is so underserved. And she's really good. She's yep. so good. Yep. Oh, I agree. Uh, so Martin Freeman, who plays the male nude guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> Bill Nighy plays Billy Mac mm-hmm. and Alan Rickman would work together again in what 2005 sci-fi comedy also co-starring one of the actors 
from our full episode, Elf, Zoe Deschanel. Oh, uh, is that um, Hitchhiker's Guide? To the Galaxy. To the galaxy. Nice! Yes. yes! So I was sitting here thinking it was the world's end, but then Zoe threw me off there. Yep. So yeah. Yep. yep. Hitchhiker's Guide. Nice. Okay. Okay. Thomas Brody Sangster, who plays Samuel yep. in this film, the young yep. Samuel, has gone on to a pretty solid career since this movie, including appearances in the Maze Runner films. Very good, by the way. Never seen them. Game of Thrones, Godless, Queen's Gambit. Oh, Godless. And an upcoming Artful Dodger series. However, for eight years, he actually had a major role in one of my all-time favorite animated series. Can you guess what Disney Channel animated series that he lends his voice to? Okay, so it's a favorite of yours. I don't know, but I'm talked about it before. I introduced your kids to it. There's your hint. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, Phineas and Ferb, correct? Yes. I'm like, dude, he is Ferb (laughs) in that entire show. He's Ferb. He's Ferb. Really? Very much, but he is Ferb. I have a sub to this that I'm going to come back to, but you can ask your question first. I do that. Okay, so I was going to ask about Godless. You know that, but yeah, listener. Watch Godless. Yes, on absolutely, Netflix. absolutely. One yep. of the best. And Queen's Gambit. Limit, yep. Yeah, e- true. Either way. Like, limited series, great. Yep. So, looking through the, I would say eight main characters, the mm-hmm. cast yeah, members. Okay. Yeah. Which, and I'll list them off. Which two actors have not been nominated for Academy Award? Mm-hmm. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Lenny, Emma Thompson, Kira Knightley, Bill Nighy, and Alan Rickman. Uh, Bill Nighy. Has not been? Has not been. Wrong. No, he just got nominated just last, last year. year. Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Alan Rickman. Yep. Has not. And Lauren Linney was for sure. Yep. Keira Knightley has yep. been. Who's the other one? Didn't Hugh, is Hugh Grant? Hugh Grant. Yeah. Because he was. not been nominated. He was almost in that Meryl Streep one that he was in. Which is really good. Just a couple years ago, he yep. was like, "Yeah." So Hugh Grant and there you go. Hugh Grant L- and R- yeah, Rickman, exactly. Uh, yeah. So now, nice. Yeah. Although Hugh Grant should be nominated for Dungeons Dragons. <laughs> he should. He's so good. Scaldingly hot. Scaldingly. Oh, your fingers. That okay? Yeah. All right. So, are you done? I am done. Sub to my last question. One of my. It's not even really a. a I guess I'll ask it in such a way, but one of my all-time favorite subtext to this. Is that in this show, Phineas and Ferb, Ferb falls madly in love with Vanessa Doofenshmirtz, the daughter of the main bad guy, uh, who was voiced by Olivia Olsen. Olivia Olsen gained fame for her performance in what 2003 holiday classic? As Joanna in Love Actually. Really? So, the mom? No, Joanna no, is the daughter. Oh, the girl. So, Ferb, who is really him, he's he's in love with her in this movie, and later on in Phineas and Ferb, <laughs> he his <laughs> character Ferb gut. loves wow. Vanessa Doofenshmirtz, voiced by the exact same actress. That's crazy. I love it. It's one of my all time favorite. Like, I don't know if they do this on like purpose. Circular, huh? But the very same two actors in Love Actually who 
like love each other yes become the very same voice actors in Phineas and Ferb later on later on that's good I love, wow I just I was like I remember watching it I was like wait what like hey wow all right well that brings us to the end of our happy hour episode on love actually make sure to go back and listen to our recent episodes on your favorite streaming platforms. Watch out for upcoming end-of-the-year episodes on the 2003 Best Picture winner, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and our very own year-end special where we pick our favorites and close out our look back at the the films of 2003. We want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and for clicking that like or subscribe button on your devices. Mm -hmm. Find us on the internet via the metaverse of Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. And head to 20years4beers.com for all things 20 slash 4. This has been 20 Years 4 Beers. My name is Steve. I'm Tim. And thanks for listening. Thanks. Delightful. <laughs> Cleansing said palate. This seems right of that dipshit. Carry this the one. like the birth of Christ. Let's freak you This is. I oh, know. We've got some booze in our system. Who gives a shit? Yeah. They can all go fuck themselves. <laughs>